Hi, friends, and welcome to the Between the Covers Book Club podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to let you know that we love you and you are always welcome to sit at our table. Between the Covers believes in passionately pursuing our best selves through inspirational books and elevating and empowering our members along the way. Please take a look at our website btcbookclub.com backslash podcast to check out what books we are reading in the chapter calendar so you can read along and tune into these podcast discussions. We are all about empowering each other, so please leave us a review and also share this podcast with others. Again, we are so honored to have you on this journey with us. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Brianne here from Between the Covers podcast. Um, This episode, we are wrapping up Untamed by Glennon Doyle, so the back half of part three. Um, Super excited to jump in with you guys. We talk a lot today about how are we contributing to the sickness in society, letting go of control, and if you're anything like the four of us, Control Freak is our middle name, Um, knowing your easy button and really thinking through how can I replace my easy button, whether that's boozing or shopping with a jog or a glass of lemon water. Um, And then the last part is just supporting women and being true feminist. So um, excited to hear back from you on what you guys think of the podcast today. And let's get started. Hi, friends. We're so excited you're here. Today, we're talking about the last part of Untamed. We are wrapping it up. We were just discussing. We felt like a different person when we started this book. It's been a long one, but yeah, Glennon has really amazing thoughts, and I hope all of us are a little transformed after this book. Before we start, um, I want to talk about our next book. We decided that we wanted to be a community to start having these tough conversations around racial injustice and um, just race in general. So our next book is going to be, so you want to talk about race. You can order it on our website, btcbookclub.com backslash books. All of the profits are going to a nonprofit called Color of Change, who they just really work on everyone's behalf to fight these racial injustices that are happening all over the country. And so all the profits are going to that. So far, we've raised almost $250 for Color of Change. So that's really exciting. And we're going to be discussing this book all of July. So make sure you order the book as soon as you can. We've decided that since these are tough conversations and we are women that are not fully educated on these top topics. We decided to pause our podcast. So we will not be having conversations about, so you want to talk about race, but we will be having black activists and just community leaders coming onto the podcast and sharing their story. It just felt like it was better to share the mic with them instead of, us talking about the book. And so we're excited that all of the groups are diving into this. And I think it's going to be really healing. And our goal here is to look inward 
Um, it's not to try and change other people's political beliefs or like what the funding should look like for every city. Like this is really a time to reflect on your biases and what you currently believe in and like trying to heal those. And so I just want to encourage you to have an open mind and an open heart. And since we're talking about race, let's dive into Untamed. So the chapter we're starting at is Glennon's chapter racists. And first off, hi, everyone. Hello. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read a section of her racist chapter. I'm on page 219. And I'm starting in the middle of the page. I'm afraid to put these thoughts inside a book that will not be in people's hands until a year from now. I know that I will later read this and see the racism in it that I cannot see right now, but I think of the words of Dr. Maya Angelou. Do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. Doing our best now is an active thing, and so is knowing better. We don't show up and then wait to magically know better. We show up, and then we are corrected, and then we keep working. We listen hard so we know better next time. We seek out teachers so we can know better next time. We let burn our ideas about how good and well-meaning we are so we can become better next time. Learning to know better is commitment. We will only know better if we continue unbecoming. My question here, and she goes on to say um, at the end of the chapter that how are we contributing to our like countries and society's sickness like how are we like each one of us contributing to this racial injustice sickness that's happening i think not speaking up in situations that are uncomfortable and being a voice of anti-racist in that moment and you know having a conversation with someone if they make a racist comment or um, joke and instead of just not saying anything opening a dialogue around that and maybe just changing that one person's perspective instead of letting it happen and then they're going to go out throughout their whole life continuing that way yeah I think a big part of it that I found almost humorous at this point is when people repost articles um, I think we may have talked about this but like kind of fact checking and like if you just do a little math, making sure the math adds up, making sure it's not an old article, because people are really like putting their hooks and anchors into fake news. Like that's not actually the truth. And do like that it's a you can get really lazy in doing your own research. And so helping others like educate themselves with the proper material has been a real challenge. So I think by contributing to sickness maybe it's like putting false information out there you know yeah Emily like what you were saying I think when I've kind of had this awakening that like racism is real and that I'm gonna play a more active part and speak up when I see it and I've thought oh like it's gonna be easy to speak up like I am passionate about this now and the other day at the pool 
right now our apartment complex is not having guests at our pool. Just like with COVID, you have to be a resident. They're not monitoring the pool. There's like full on parties happening on Saturday where like, I know not everyone there is a resident. Like I, I just know there, there's no way. And me and Alex were there and me and Alex have had these discussions of like, what does it look like to stand up for like racial injustice? Like wh- how do we play a part in this? But on, on Saturday when we were there, a young black man came in, he gets into the pool and someone from the leasing office comes out and asks if he was a resident. When like clearly half of the pool was not residents. And I'm oh. watching this like all go down. Like I see the lady come out. I see him get out of the pool. I see him go to his backpack. And I'm like, Alex is like, I, what did we do? And I'm like, we obviously just saw like, even if he's not a resident, like she, she should have gone around the whole entire pool and asked everyone, can I see your resident ban? Not just like come out and just targeted him and then go back inside. And so I went and talked to him. He wasn't a resident, but clearly other people at the pool weren't residents. And I just had this knot in my stomach, like, all right, like, here it is. Something just happened in front of me. What am I going to do? Am I going to educate this lady? Or am I just going to sit and be like, oh, well, he's not a resident. He shouldn't have been here. And so I ended up like going into the leasing office and just telling them, like, I understand he's not a resident and I appreciate like the role that we're not having guests at the pool, but there's groups of like 15 people out there that I know are not residents. And like, that's not fair that you didn't go around the whole entire pool. And she w- she was just shook. Like she was like, oh my God, you're so right. Like, I'm so sorry. Like I just knew he wasn't a resident because he didn't have his wristband and you know, like saying all of that, which I, I appreciate her apology. And she ended up calling him and apologizing to him. But it's just like, really, like, I had like an uncomfortable knot in my stomach, like kind of like, you know, you like want to puke a little bit, because you're so nervous to bring up this topic. I just want anyone to like, listening, or even y'all like we know that we want need to speak up now. But it's still very uncomfortable, like, and you just kind of have to like push through it and like just know that you might not even say the right thing you just have to try and like sorry that was a long story but no I'm so proud of you that's so hard it's a new muscle that we're all learning how to flex and so I'm so proud of you Maddie yeah it's definitely a new muscle that's like exactly it Brie it's completely a new muscle we don't like have confrontation like that it's definitely a new muscle and it's okay to be like nervous yeah so. I was about to say I think it it does tell us something when we do think it's so uncomfortable and it's like a daunting topic I think digging into that like doing some self-work around that like why are you so hesitant why are all of us um yeah something I've asked myself okay well I'm going to go to question two Glennon talks about control of her relationships multiple times at the end of part three. She talks about it in the chapter deliveries, and she also talks about it in the chapter seconds. She is obviously a very con- like controlled of every situation and the people around her. She tells this story that Abby 
sometimes in the middle of the day, we'll like jump on the couch, turn on the TV and like take a nap. And Glennon will like tidy up the house, like behind Abby, like slamming doors, like vacuuming to kind of like put this point of cross, like, what are you doing? Like, it's the middle of the day, like get your lazy butt up. Like, and she kind of controls like what Abby's does with her day. She realizes that like control is the opposite of love. If she's trying to control someone, that means she doesn't trust them, which is obviously the opposite of love. And so my question is, why do you think we try and control the people around us? And and y'all might not be controlling. I am completely controlling. Oh, Oh, me too. Okay. Okay. Just making sure we're on the same. Like, I I really think, I I think people learn to try to control others. I think it's a generational pattern that we learn, and that's just how people know how to love. I I know for me, I realized over this quarantine that I try to control other people to avoid focusing on myself. So, like, I'll look at my brother and say, okay, you know what? You would be great in this field. Here's this, this, and this. You should do this. Reach out to this person. I mean, your future, it's handled. Why aren't you listening to me? Or, like, even friends the same kind of thing. And I realized that I was just spending all of this energy trying to focus on other people. So I didn't really have to think about myself and where I'm going and what I want, who I want to be. So it's really just a way of distracting myself. And uh, I can convince myself that I'm doing some kind of like community service. I'm doing the right thing. I'm being a good person. But in reality, I'm just being annoying. And I'm pretty much just leaving myself by the wayside. Uh, I started to notice that actually when we were reading Little Fires Everywhere and watching it on Hulu too and watching how um, Elena, that's her name, right? I forget the last name. Elena Richardson, uh, she kind of is just like meddling in everybody's lives, not really thinking about how she's unfulfilled in her career at the newspaper. So that was a light bulb moment for me. But yeah, I think it's to distract ourselves. Sarah, that's so good. I never looked at it like that. Me either. I think about more like I'm managing my expectations and like when I control a situation, it's going to be a benefit to my, like it's going to fulfill my expectations because if I can control how that person is or how that situation is, then it's going to be the result I want. So it just makes me think of uh, Kenton and I were cooking together and I was kind of telling him, like he was doing his own thing, but I kind of over his shoulder was telling him things to do and things not mm-hmm. to do. And he was like, oh, I thought like I was cooking, <laughs> you know. It's like Kenton is cooking, not Emily. Not Emily. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, it's true. You have to just, because again, with expectations, like the way that I was expecting the meal to be was with these certain spices and ingredients and mm-hmm. he didn't want to or he had something different in mind as long as he's using spices and ingredients <laughs> he's like it's just salt like that's all <laughs> salt and pepper what what do you mean like I, people do not want advice that they didn't ask for that's that's ultimately people don't want what they didn't ask for like if somebody tried to come over here to my apartment and deliver me a big pallet of grass i'd be like what i don't want this i don't want this sod i did not ask for this I don't have any dirt, but yeah, that's hard to get through my head. So Mm -hmm. 
it's hard to stop yourself once you get that first like initial reaction it's hard to just back away and let them figure it out yeah y'all this is literally my the worst quality about myself like by far the worst thing about me is how controlling i am and literally it's like a range all the way from like how i like my laundry done and my dishes in the dishwasher all the way to like i know what's best for your life you need to do these habits (laughs) Like, I'm literally controlling in every aspect. Like, I feel so bad for Alex sometimes because I'm like, dude, being married to me has to be a task because, like, it just, like, it's nonstop. And I've really, this has been something for, like, I've been working on since we have been married because I didn't want him to think that, like, his life like wasn't isn't worthy of like living his choices out but like this is a daily struggle people like I am so hard on myself and on Alex like if we don't have like our our normal morning routine and we're not like diving into the bible and working out and having our proteins like if we're not like doing all that like I get really like flustered and Alex is like it's okay like you stop trying to control the situation but how do y'all think you can like manage control like what are some like tips like that you can like not be so controlling I thought of something but it's still controlling I was gonna say just give give suggestions but then even suggestions sometimes can come off as controlling Right? No, I don't know. That, that's kind of what I was going to say, though, because I've been trying to figure out that happy medium for myself, too. Because, like, oh, my God, even even today, like, I found a job. I was like, Maddie would be perfect for this job. Like, should I send it? I don't know. Like, I don't really want her to think that I'm trying to meddle in her life. It's cool if she doesn't take it. Like, I no skin off my back. But, like, <laughs> I feel like I've I've gotten a lot more attached to just, like, you know, making a suggestion or, like, hey, I thought of you. But then I let it go. And I'm like, right. this, I, I don't care. You know, I, I don't care if you do this or not, you know, probably shouldn't even say anything. But like, I don't, I don't really send like my brother little, like little things anymore. Give him suggestions. Cause like, you know what? I love this kid and I want him to be happy and I want him to live a life where he's happy and I can't decide what that means. So I guess, I guess still giving those suggestions. I don't, but, but being like, not being mad at the outcome. Like if, if you do choose to give a suggestion, check in and say, Hey, am I trying to do this for them? Am I doing this for me? And if it's for them say, okay, cool. I'm going to just make this little suggestion, try to not be annoying and detach from the outcome. Cause it's not my life. I don't know though. What, what do you think? Who? Me? Yeah. I don't have, I, I really, <laughs> I loved when Glennon um, said, like, Abby is a grown woman. She bosses herself. Why is Glennon trying to boss Abby around? And she started doing this digging of, like, what is this, like, annoyance or this anger telling me about myself? Like, 
why is her laziness making me angry? Why does that get me upset? And like doing that digging, which like, I I think I've told you all this story. Like I did that with golf with Alex. Cause like, I literally cannot stand golf. Like it's so expensive. It's it is so expensive. But like, I started journaling, like, why does golf like make me upset? Like, and I figured out that like, it's a Saturday and I expect to have my Saturday with him, not seven hours of him out of the house, like during the day. And that like really annoys me. And I, I finally like told him that like, I, could you not golf? Like, maybe after work or maybe like Sunday night, but like Saturdays, I just feel like that's our day. And, you know, just like trying to dig, like, why does that annoy you? But that's also like really hard. And I don't think like, I don't think it just stops. In a couple Saturdays, if Alex asked me to golf, like, does that just like not annoy me all of a sudden? Like, I don't, it's like a process. It's a, I don't right. know. Uh, that's such a good point, though, about, like, reflecting on your own issues, because, like, I can get annoyed and want, like, tell Kenton about, like, clothes on the floor, and then I can literally turn around and my clothes are on the floor, too. But, <laughs> you know? So, I guess there's, like, some, yeah, yeah, looking at yourself, too. Because I was going to ask Maddie, does he have any controlling qualities? Or is he the total opposite? He's the total opposite. So like on the Enneagram, we couldn't be more opposite. Like (laughs) the ways that we show love, accept love. Like we are literally completely opposite, like professionally, like everything. He's, he's the peacemaker. He's very much like whatever you want to do, whatever I, you know, like I'm the complete opposite. And so to, to him having structure, I think has been like nice and he's like grown from it. But there is, like, a time and place where, like, I can't just control his whole life. Like, he's a grown man. And he can make his own decisions. And honestly, at this point, like, if I'm so freaking bothered by things, do it your freaking self. Like, if I'm so bothered by how the dishes are in the dishwasher and, like, not organized the way I like them organized, then, Maddie, if that's how you freaking like it, you sit and unload them and make them all perfect like that's not alex's job but that's also so hard to do it's like setting, setting someone up for failure too yeah like if you're go if they are going into that task and you already know that you're not gonna like how it was done you know yeah completely it's like so maybe that's a good point is just whatever it is just you taking responsibility and of that thing yeah I like that. I kind of have like, because we're also like not supposed to be like maids here. I like tell Alex like, hey, when you just like leave your clothes in the bathroom, like just laying there, like all your dirty clothes and you don't put that into the hamper, that like really irks me. If you could just like be more conscious about it and try and put it in the hamper, that would mean a lot. And like, 80% of the time he does. And that 20% when I go into the morning and they're still there, like I just shut my mouth and put them in the hamper. But like, I do try and communicate like that really annoys me that the dishes look like this or whatever it is. Like, um, but I'm just not, I'm just trying not to be like 
I want him to like enjoy living together, not like breathing on the back of his neck. Like the dishes have to be done like this. <laughs> like I want him to like love his life. And if I was him, I would be like, "F this! This is not what I signed up for." So I'm trying to be better. Sounds like we're trying to do some radical acceptance. <laughs> yes. Loving what is. Yeah, but I definitely feel Glennon on these chapters. Like, she talks about it multiple times throughout the book. So she's obviously pretty controlling. And um, this one was just really eye-opening because, like, I do get annoyed by laziness. And so when she was saying that, like, Abby was, like, frustrating her by laying on the couch in the middle of the day... I was just like, oh my gosh, I feel that. And then when she started diving into like, why is laziness making her angry? I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And then she had the epiphany that like when she was a little kid, she would be like hanging out on the couch and her parents would come home from work and she would like scramble to like make the couch look clean and turn off the TV and like that she's a perfect angel. And like, that's like embedded in her. And I just was like, wow, there's a lot of digging we can do as people so my next question is on the chapter invaders which starts on 273 yeah 273 but I'm specifically looking at 279 and Glennon talks about these like different types of buttons she like refers to I know I say that word so weird buttons um but she talks about that commercial it was like an office max commercial where like an easy button would pop out and they would like press the button and like the whole problem would be fixed so she talks about these easy buttons in her life that when she was like stressed or depressed and had anxiety or overwhelmed her easy buttons were like boozing binging, shopping, comparing, reading mean reviews. Those were her easy buttons when she was like feeling those types of emotions. But then she created like a list of reset buttons, like actual buttons that like benefited her from these types of like negative emotions that she was having. So it was like drink a glass of water, take a walk, take a bath, practice yoga. And so now when she's feeling like these negative types of emotions, she realizes like what reset buttons she needs to go to, like not look at these easy buttons. So my question to y'all is typically when you are overwhelmed or stressed or have anxiety, what is an easy button that you like normally choose? And what are you going to replace that with? Like what is going to be your new reset button? I think my... I mean, the easy button is just the phone and doing anything but the thing. Yeah. Scrolling on Instagram. Right. And the reset button, I think for me, is just taking action. What does that look like, though? What does taking action look like? So, like, my laundry is still in the laundry basket right next to me. Okay. And it's been in there for multiple days. And... Every time I come in my closet, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that. So I, mine's, my easy button is just, like, ignoring tasks or, I mean, procrastination. So just doing 
putting away the laundry when it comes out of the dryer. Mm, good one. And I think then another one. Like, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say it's like a domino effect because like what, if it, once I did that, then I'd be more likely to do some other tidying and picking up, and then move on to another productive task. So. Yeah, I think a recent easy button for me has been, and I'm like even embarrassed to admit this, but like trash TV, like Real Housewives, Vanderpump, Bachelor, even though I'm kind of been off Bachelor for a couple seasons, but like watching just like mindless TV has been my easy button and I should replace it with like journaling or meditating or doing yoga, like something that like resets my mind that doesn't make me just want to turn it off. So. Yeah. Brie Glennon like says that's like her, like she's like, take away my whole entire life. But if you touch my Bravo, like I will not survive. <laughs> like trash TV is like. That spoke to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like she has given up like, alcohol and oversleeping and overeating and like she's a compulsive number like I am and so like now it's like formed into like this trash tv and it's like yeah you're not the only one I think that's just kind of easy to do like it's so easy to just like watch other people like even like um Queer Eye like I love that show like it brings me so much happiness but I'm like okay I cannot watch episodes right at a certain point it does turn into like not a good habit it's not no longer bringing you joy yep exactly and we talk about it all the time too but like gossiping is easy button when you're in a crowd Mm -hmm. and And what would it look like to be your reset button just changing the topic and or i mean if you want to bring attention to that, just like debating a gossipy comment and asking someone like, why do you think that? Or why would you say that? You know? Yeah. I love that. I would definitely reset the like perpetuating gossip that comes from comments like that. Yeah. But I definitely want to make my own list. That's what I was just thinking too. Like that needs to be my topic for tomorrow morning. It's hard when we have all these to-do lists and what well, should be doing this thing and should work out and just guilt around stuff like that. I've been into like my new reset button is like jamming out to worship music. So like when I'm like super stressed or bored or depressed or like whatever the negative feeling I'm feeling I will literally put on YouTube Christian worship songs 2020 and it's just like this huge playlist and I like just get so into it and I'm like singing. I even sometimes dance and like, it's been a huge reset. Like I literally feel like a new person after like five, 10 minutes of just like worshiping. So that's been like a a new one of mine. It's like, Any songs stand out for you? Oh, girl, I have like a whole list. I have it literally on my computer. Um, I'll send y'all some and I'll link them in this podcast um, recording. But there's a new one 
um, from Hillsong called Blessings that, and it's like they on, on YouTube, they perform it live and it's just like really magical, like seeing everyone in the church, like so involved in the song and um, I'll send y'all some, but they're also like really long cause they're live. So they're like, oh, some yeah. of these videos are like 15 minutes long. <laughs> So like a quick three minute song, but I'll send y'all some. That's my new my new reset. What about you, Sarah? What my reset? Yeah. I don't know. I was sitting here thinking about that. And I think that I get really addicted to LinkedIn because I'm looking for a job and I'm like, this will make it better. And so I search like different keywords and like different search terms and like, oh, I'll save that job. I'll save that job. I'll save that job. And this happened to me yesterday. And I was freaking out. I was freaking out. And I was like, okay, cool. I, I guess my reset was like taking a little a little walk. I tried to, I took a spin class on my Peloton. Fancy. We love her. She's unemployed, but she has a Peloton. <laughs> um, I did oh like a gosh. Peloton ride and it kind of, I feel like unemployed. Okay. Side note, unemployed with a Peloton. That's like a character trait. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a personality type. Like what is that on the Enneagram? I don't know. Oh my god! Oh, so good. I don't know what I tried to do to reset. I, I, th- I guess that was the reset. Getting fresh air for sure. I mean, it wasn't that on her list, or take a walk was on her list. Yeah, I got yeah. out of the house and I sat on the patio at a coffee shop. And it was so nice, so fun. Yeah. Um, also, I think yeah, just changing your environment too. Mm-hmm. Completely. It's crazy how that can change your mindset. Seriously, because it's like, oh, you, this is a different world where everything is okay, and there's nice cold brew, and there's a dog on the patio, and I, I'm playing the role of an employed person with a bright future at a great company, and next I'm crushing go, it. Next time you go somewhere, let me know. Because, oh, I will. Yeah, that was one of, like, someone told me to try that, because, mm-hmm. like, I went to Orange Theory today for the first time since mm-hmm. COVID, and I was like, Hi everyone! What's going on? And they're like, oh, "You're all God. still here." Yeah, it's like it's Maddie's obviously first day. Like, it's <laughs> a really long time. Okay, I've been trying to like schedule in like leaving the house every day too. That's so funny you'd say that. My brother's out of town right now. I'm watering his plants. I'm like, I got you. I'm watering the plants. Okay. Well, let me know if you ever go to like a coffee shop because I think I just need to like get out of the house a little bit more like mm-hmm. I think that will help be like a reset too right it's a great reset and I remember like in college it always helped me to work and focus if I was outside of my house or outside of the library just like in the coffee shop grinding playing doing some method acting as a good student yeah no definitely down we got to get get some coffee shop time on the books socially distance of course from everyone else of course yes Pretty soon here, we can start doing recordings together. You don't have to do these podcast recordings on. Like for anybody listening, I we haven't talked about this in a while, but since COVID, like we've been doing this recording virtually. So we've actually never done an in-person podcast recording. So that's going to be really fun. That'll be the day. (laughs) We made it. Okay. (laughs) Last Well, not my last question, but close. Feminism has become a buzzword, and it's hard to deny all the ways the world conditions women to distrust themselves. 
from being told to be calmer and more ladylike to seeing diets that tell us to not trust our hunger and to be victim shaming and so much more. Do Does this resonate with y'all? Like, what do y'all think as women we need to shift to not have? It's almost like kind of like the talk we had with racism. Like, what can we do to kind of I don't know the right words here. Support each other, or maybe not keep those. Not keep upholding the things that we say that we hate, but then we're doing it to other women. Ooh, like like we what? say we like we hate um, gossip, but we gossip. Yeah, or like I don't know. Okay, I think that being a good feminist means recognizing that like women can be just as shitty like every time i see like a female serial killer i'm like that's nice one for the ladies or like some lady gets arrested for like a violent crime i'm like oh my gosh okay cool yeah we we can do it too like we can do it (laughs) oh my gosh i feel like that's it because like so often when like you'll see a lady doing something shitty i don't know if we can cuss on this podcast but i'm doing it we can bleep that out like you kind of feel weird calling them out, like, in the name of feminism. You're like, oh, I'm supposed to be uplifting her, even though she's, like, not being a good person and not doing a good job. Like, no. I think I think feminism is recognizing that women can be equally trash. Right. I actually like that. <laughs> but I, I do – I don't know. This is hard. Like, I, I hear what you're saying, Emily. Like, I've been – I've never had an issue with, like – my body image as so I thought I never had an issue with body image until I've been more tuned in to the things I say to myself when I like look at myself in the mirror 95% of the time it is not nice things that I say to myself this is an issue I can't be talking like this to myself when you know what I mean and like I feel like accepting who you are just like makes you a better person to other women instead of being like don't body shame don't be a victim like that well you need to do all that and that helps I think women womankind right oh I think that's good do you ever do you guys ever like look in the mirror and tell yourself I love you cheesy question but literally do you ever do it no I don't think I do either oh I have Yeah, it's hard, but like in my journal every day, I'm like, I love you, love Sarah. (laughs) And like the first couple, yeah, but the first couple of times I did it, it felt really weird. And like when I would like look in the mirror and be like, hi, Sarah, how are you? I know it's, it sounds literally crazy, but try it. Like look at yourself in the mirror, look yourself in the eyes and say, I love you and see how that feels. It feels really weird. And I think the more that we can get used to it, the more to Maddie's point, we will be those strong women who love ourselves and don't really notice like all of the bad things. I don't. I, I'm. 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 Uh, not. Not fully explaining your point. No, <laughs> I, many, well, I think it's just like seeing yourself for everything that you are. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we all look in the mirror every single day, like brushing our teeth or whatever. But have we ever really like looked? into our own eyes and like really like seeing ourselves like how often are we doing that yeah. i feel like, like such said, a cheap girl talking about it 
No, I think it's important. It's so important. So it's like, Emily, we all, like you just said, we all brush our teeth every day. You're looking at yourself in the mirror. Like not like what, if you had to like write down all the thoughts and your whole entire week of the thoughts you had when you were looking in the mirror while you were brushing your teeth, how, what would be the percentage of negative thoughts? Like mine are like, oh man, I look like shit right now. Wow. I can't believe I have that breakout on my face. Like, oh my gosh, this is what I look like without makeup. Like, man, these tan lines are hideous. Like, oh, I need to get my shit together. I need to get in the shower. Like, it's like literally all like negative. I'm not like, wow, you look beautiful. (laughs) Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) I love you. And Sarah, like you said, when I'm in Shavasana and like, I always end my Shavasana and yoga, like rolling up in a ball. And I'll like kiss one of my kneecaps and be like, I love you, Maddie. And then I'll kiss the other one of my kneecaps. And nope. like, I love you so much. Like I really do try and like love myself so much, but it's really hard, especially your body and like your face and what your hair looks like. And I, I don't know, like I don't ever want my daughter to think like, oh, you to be pretty, you need to have makeup on, like, because mom had that, you know, because, like, that's what mom said, or, like, you know, you need to be skinny, or you need to be blonde, or you, what's, like, cellulite means that you've gained weight, like, I, I don't want that for, like, the next generation, you know, like, I just want them to, like, know that they're beautiful, I don't know if I can't even do that, I don't know how you can really teach that, you know? Well, it's so complicated, too, because, I mean, media, number one, social media, and then friends that you interact with over your lifetime, boys or girls, both boys and girls, equally impact your opinion on yourself. Seriously. And you like hit on it so hard with the media there too. Like, (laughs) um, so like growing up, I didn't think my mom was pretty. My mom's a knockout. Like my mom's a 10. Okay. Like, obviously, have you seen me? Um, but like, I didn't think she was pretty cause she wasn't like blonde and she didn't like look like the people on TV. And so I remember thinking one time, man, I hope I'm prettier than my mom. Whack, a whack thing to think as a child, but seriously, yeah, you do have to look at like, what is beauty even like, right. but also like, is it important? Like, is it important? Why do we care? Right. Mm. I think a big thing is like, like as we're doing all these negative self-talk, especially when uh, BTC does a really good job at it, when we're in a room and discussing kind of a taboo topic where girls are like, wait, you feel that way too? Wait, you think that way as well? Like, and it just puts it in perspective and you're like, okay, like I'm not the only one who like looks at my cellulite in the mirror and is like, dang it. And then doesn't eat for two days, you know? And I think just being more vulnerable and open with like your group of girlfriends of like something's wrong and this is it and allowing your girlfriends to be like, no, that was my problem last week. And this is how I'm taking it head on. Let me support you. Let me hold you accountable. Let me walk with you through all of this. Right. Um, but we just have to like take that first step of saying like, I'm struggling and I'm struggling in this way. Completely. I love that. Well, I have a super cute new thing. Varicose veins at the right 27. I mean, they're not like bad, but I definitely have some. And I was talking with my mom about it. And she was like, yeah, like grandma has them. 
well, my grandma's like 80 in her late late 80s. So of course she has some, my mom told me she has some. So she's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're just going to have them. So I now have a choice of how I'm going to perceive my body, like knowing that it's pretty much written in stone that I'm going to have them. They're going to worsen as I get older. And then I, I was telling someone and they're like, oh, they have like a procedure where they can like inject something to like, like die pretty, or something. Yeah, yeah. It's like so. Die. It's like, do I mean? I'm, it's just funny how there's a procedure for everything. I guess. Yep. That's another thing. Like, y'all, I've been struggling with this so bad. But like, what's the balance of like? There is a piece procedure for everything. Like, is getting Botox every six months? Like, should we just embrace our wrinkles? Like, why why don't we just like love our lips the way they are? Like, what is? I mean, I guess it's like a personal thing, and I it should be a personal thing. But I don't know. Like, I was in a stage where personally I was getting like Botox and my lips done and like getting spray tans like every single other freaking week and like I was just like trying my hardest to like have this outer appearance like beauty and that was definitely like the lowest point of my life like I felt like I was not connected to like who I truly was then I think, yeah, like you said, I think it's maybe when you are thinking about a lot of cosmetic things, when you look in the mirror, like maybe digging a little bit deeper and think about like, okay, what am I, what's the real issue? Like, what am I really feeling insecure about? I love that. Yeah. It seems like there's an interesting balance to strike between self-care and doing something because you really feel good about it and doing something to kind of measure up to societal expectations too because like I'm thinking about it and like it's not bad to get a spray tan like yeah and yeah like if that makes you feel good and I feel like for most women like any kind of plastic surgery they most women do do it for themselves Mm -hmm. um I'm sure we've all seen, you know, some boob lifts. Everybody that gets one wants to show you. Like, well, that yeah. looks amazing. That yeah. surgeon, save his number for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. But, yeah, I like, I like what you said, Emily. Like, why, I don't know. Like, why are you wanting certain things? Like, is it an insecurity? Or are you just, like, trying to keep up with, like, your friends and, like, the industry? Like, why do you want like whatever it is because like I just know it's exhausting like it's exhausting to always like try and keeping up with the Kardashians (laughs) like it's freaking exhausting and I don't know I'll never forget, and this is, like, one of my favorite sayings ever, but my our first time we went to Tulum for our honeymoon two years ago, which was, like, the peak of, like, me trying to be the most perfect outlook of myself because it was my wedding time. So I was getting, like, Botox, my lips done, like, everything. Like, $300 facials, like, everything I could do done to my hair. And eyelash extensions like the whole shebang like I was getting it all done and 
when we were in Tulum, we were eating breakfast and there was like this graffiti wall that said like, no beauty shines better than that of a good heart. And I was just like, uh-huh. oh, oh. And that's like oh. been my Instagram bio ever since. Oh, but, that's, that's what I was going to say. Oh my gosh, Insta bio. Yeah, it's been oh. my Instagram bio ever since because I was like, wow, like. Yeah. What am I doing? Like, I, granted, it was like for my wedding and stuff. I, like, I give that excuse, but like, nothing shines brighter than like that of a good heart. So, like, I just that really kind of helped me look at it differently. Okay, I'm also shocked that you were getting Botox. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, when I get like really, <laughs> I know our podcast listeners can't see this, but when I get like really excited, like I'll be like. I get like really bad wrinkles on my forehead mm-hmm. and I kind of like imagined our wedding pictures with me having all those wrinkles. Cause I'd be so excited, like dancing. And like, I was like, I don't want those. So I got Botox and like, I then of course, like when you're going in to get Botox, they're like, Oh, your upper lip could like use a little plump. Like you want me to like pump up your upper lip? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure. If, I think it needs a little more pump now that you pointed that out. And it just like all kind of like, you know, stemmed from another because then you just start looking at yourself and you're like, oh, I mean, here's another thing I did. I got my eyebrows microbladed. Like it just like all led to another, like someone would be like, well, are you thinking about your getting your eyebrows mic- microbladed? And I'd be like, what's that? And then I would get my eyebrows mic- microbladed prepping for the wedding it was exhausting and it sounds like it when I look at pictures I'm literally like what I look like I did all that and I feel like I looked exactly (laughs) that's the worst have you guys ever had a hair treatment like that where you like you're like $300 later they're like what do you think and you look exactly the same (laughs) exactly Okay, we're going to end the Untamed episode by, like, what was y'all's favorite, like, lesson that you learned from Glennon or maybe your favorite chapter or something that maybe you didn't like? Like, what was the biggest takeaway from this book that y'all had? One springs to mind really quickly for me, and I remember reading – don't remember what part of the book it was, but she says, the braver I get, the luckier I get. And that struck a freaking chord with me. It was like, oh my gosh, okay, I just got to be brave. It's cool. It's cool if I face plant 20 times, because maybe the 21st time, I'll stick the landing. But that one really stuck with me. And uh, I kind of say that to myself every day. Okay, the braver I get, the luckier I get. Totally. I love that. I think mine is the build and burn chapter of like being okay with being uncomfortable. Um, I just try to avoid that. And so being okay in awkward situations is a new thing for me. And I'm, I'm still working on it. Can't say I've mastered, but it was like a good, like eye opening kind of thought of, okay, I can be okay in this weird face mm-hmm. totally um mine was one of the keys i'm trying to remember which one i mean we talked about it on a um, previous podcast but just 
talking about like taking back the wheel and mm-hmm. like after you've figured out what you know, just pursuing it and pursuing it relentlessly, like despite what others may have in mind for you or society. I love that. Mine was two things. One, I felt like I'm going to be a better parent because of this book. And I also, a lot of like my trauma as a child and like the anger I have to my parents healed while reading this book, um, which I was like totally not expecting from like just the whole book. I didn't know that that my childhood like anger was going to heal and that I was going to learn how to be a better parent one day. Um, but the second thing I learned is like, overall, the beauty of like digging into your own heart, like every single word Glennon put on in this freaking like 400 page book was like, she sought after it, she dug deep and like, she just like extracted things like so deep within her that like none of it was surface level. All of it was like digging into how she felt and why she acts the way she does and why she chooses the way that things she chooses. And I just like saw like, wow, like what it, what if I, you know, led a life or like had a life where I was so intentional like this, like so thought out and every decision I made. So that was like one thing that really encouraged me while reading the book but yeah oh my god untamed this our second book on the podcast yes yes yeah god felt like a really long one (laughs) (laughs) very long glennon if you're listening to this because we know you're a number one fan we loved it (laughs) hey girl hey girl All right, guys. Well, we love you. We hope you have a great week and just know that we're supporting you. Also, I'd like to just say if Kira is listening, we are leaning in with her sister. That hurts when we know that when one of us hurts, we all hurt together. And so we just are showing you so much support and love from afar and we just hope you know that you are loved so much and that we're with you all right bye guys bye bye